welcome, welcome to the Hokie Hangover Podcast. My name is Andrew Alex. I am joined today on this emergency podcast by Ricky LeBlu and Mike McDaniel. The occasion for the fourth time since 1978, Virginia Tech football has a new head coach. The man, Brent Pry, defensive coordinator of Penn State, a hire that may come as a surprise to some. Certainly came as a surprise to us. We did multiple podcasts trying to prognosticate who the next man with the big whistle at Virginia Tech would be. And frankly, Brent Pry didn't really move the needle. An interesting hire nonetheless. We look to bring you a variety of opinions and analysis, and we will do that all after we thank the good folks over at Main Street Pharmacy. Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg is the healthcare provider you want to go to if you want a pharmacy that truly cares about you. Be a neighbor, not a number, and look no further than Main Street Pharmacy. Dr. Jeremy Kautz and his wonderful staff will take care of everything you need. Well, gentlemen, I set the alarm this morning, 7 a.m. I figured something would be up on this Tuesday, November the 30th. And around 8.40 a.m., Pete Thamel breaks the news. Many other major media college football reporters followed suit. And by noon, the press release was out. Brent Pry, the new head man at Virginia Tech. Mike, I want to start with you. Just your initial thoughts on the hire. Where did Brent Pry come from? Well, we started hearing that Brent Pry might be a candidate over the last, I don't know, three or four days. Um, that was not a name a lot of people had uh, on their on their radar. Now, what I will say is that this is a very Whit Babcock hire, right? I mean, the one thing we did mention is that even though we weren't necessarily sure who the coach was going to be, I think we all thought there was a decent chance it was going to be somebody who wasn't really on anybody's list. Um, Brent Pry, I think, fits that bill. Uh, it's an interesting hire. I, I, I'm still trying to to evaluate like how I feel about it. There are some things to like, certainly. Um, he coaches a really good defense at Penn State, an aggressive defense. Uh, he he is one of James Franklin's top was I guess now that he's the head coach of Virginia Tech. He was one of James Franklin's top assistants, and was also one of James Franklin's top recruiters. Uh, you look at a number of the guys that he recruited to Penn State, uh, some of the top recruits that Brent Pry was primarily responsible for at Penn State are from the DMV area, you know, an area that, you know, Penn State has recruited very well. Um, and, and, you know, they've, re they've recruited a number of guys away from Virginia Tech, something we've mentioned on this podcast before that, that needed to stop. You know, we, we talked about Penn State doing that, North Carolina doing that more recently. You know, those are two schools that have really been a thorn in the side for Virginia Tech as far as their in-state recruiting efforts uh, over the last five or six years with Justin Fuente as the head coach. So I, I think the hire of Brent Pry is an instant boost to recruiting in the state of Virginia. He knows this area well. Uh, he coached at Virginia Tech, although it was like 30 years ago. So I, having familiarity with the school is, is good, but a lot's changed since then. The staff is going to be really important here. I think he instantly gains credibility with me by 
retaining J.C. Price, which is something he absolutely needed to do. And having him be his associate head coach is just a really easy bone to not only throw to J.C. Price, but an easy bone to throw to the fan base because he knows how important J.C. Price is to this university. So retaining him on the staff, I think, is a, an early, a nice early, easy win for Brent Pry. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the staff is filled out. I, I know he's coached with Ryan Smith in the past. That would be one guy I would retain from uh, the current Virginia Tech staff. In addition to J.C. Price, I'd try to keep Ryan Smith up and comer in the business, really good recruiter, one of the top recruiters on Justin Fuente's staff. If you can keep him in the boat, that would be good. Um, the offensive hirings are, are going to be really important here uh, because I don't know what, what kind of guy he's looking for to run his offense. But my overarching takeaway, and, and I'll cede the floor to you guys after this, my overarching takeaway on this is that Whit Babcock went against the grain a little bit, and I feel like he learned something from the Justin Fuente experience. Virginia Tech's athletic department is in a much different situation financially from an operating budget standpoint for the football program than it was when Justin Fuente was hired six years ago. Justin Fuente was the guy, the, the hot group of five name outside of Tom Herman. And Whit Babcock knew he had to make a splash, right? The guy who's going to replace Frank Beamer, you got to make a splash. And Justin Fuente was that splash. The issue is that Virginia Tech had trouble uh, being able to pay for top dollar assistance, right? So consider when Bud Foster left, Virginia Tech was in the running for Barry Odom and couldn't get a deal done with him, right? So you end up with Justin Hamilton, who we all love, but Justin Hamilton was a first-year defensive coordinator. And you kind of had to had to settle for a guy who wasn't going to make as much money and was a bit more unproven. So Virginia Tech, I think with this hire, you're going with Brent Fry, who he is a head coach. Yes, he, he's unproven from that standpoint. He's never been a head coach before. And sure, that is certainly a concern. But when you bring him in, you are able to not only expand the pool of staff, but you don't have to pay him necessarily like six, five or $6 million a year. I'm interested to see what the final numbers are, but I think he'll make around what Justin Fuente made, maybe a little bit less. And by doing that, you're also able to expand the assistant coaching pool, which I think is going to be really important because the key for this hire to work and key for a lot of hires to work across the sport is for the assistant coaches to be rock stars. I think Brent Pry has been assured that he's going to be able to hire a staff that's going to make him successful at Virginia Tech, something that Justin Fuente either wasn't able to do or was unwilling to do the last time around. And I think Whit Babcock got the answers he needed from Brett Pry. No idea where Pry was on his list. I don't know if Pry was a top candidate. I don't know if he was a top in his top five. I have no idea. But I think this is a good hire on paper that is not without some questions, but there is also some things to like as well. Brent Pry was <clears throat> not a, a candidate for the position, at least on paper, at the start for a reason, I think, and that was because he didn't match the the head coach experience trait that Witt had talked about when he decided to let Justin go. Um, and that's really the the only real concern that I have with this hire is that, you know, being a head coach at the college level, you learn so much about being the, you know, the, the, the phrase everyone uses is being the CEO of the program. And um, Brent Pry has never done that. So this is going to be new for him and, and he's going to have to navigate those waters a little bit. Now, with that said, 
if you were going to pick someone that didn't have head coaching experience, it w- you'd be pretty hard pressed to find someone better suited for the job. Um, if you were just, just limiting the pool to those candidates, uh, Pry obviously has experience at the school. Um, he has familiarity with, with JC price, which is a huge, uh, plus, um, Pry has been a really good recruiter at Penn state. He has been a pain in Virginia tech side, to be quite honest on the recruiting trail. Um, Penn state's defense has been exceptional. That's really been the the hallmark of that program um, outside of Trace McSorley, who's obviously no longer there. So you're bringing in a guy who's got um, proven defensive coordinator experience, like elite level coordinator experience. You're, you're bringing in a guy who's had a lot of success recruiting, especially in, in the Commonwealth. Um, but you're, you're, you're taking the risk in the sense that this is someone who's never led a program before. I'm not uh, ecstatic about the hire. I don't think this is a home run. I do think this is a a, a decent hire on paper. Um, to me, this feels like a high ceiling, hot or low floor kind of hire. This feels like a hire that has a chance to go really, really well. And it also has a chance to go really, really poorly. Um, I don't know how, it, obviously, I don't know how it's going to turn out where, you know, we are hours into the, the Brent Priory here in Blacksburg, but there are, there are definitely reasons to think that this can work and there are reasons to think that this won't work. And ultimately we're just going to have to wait and see how it goes. Yeah. It's certainly an interesting hire to say the least, but you know, I looked at our good friends over at tech sideline and they did a poll thousands of subscribers voting, asking for who are your top three candidates for the next head coach of Virginia tech. Coming in at number one, the most common person chosen was Charles Huff. Brent Pry coming in dead last, just 40 people voting for him out of over 2,500 voters. And that seemed to be the general narrative. Huff was someone that a lot of people wanted, and Pry was a name that simply wasn't being mentioned. But when you look at it on paper, outside of one seven and five season, at Marshall, with, by the way, a team that was predicted to ultimately win Conference USA. They did not. They're not even going to the championship game. What is the difference between Charles Huff and Brent Pry? I would say that Brent Pry has more influential hands-on experience in a Power 5 program. You know, the I don't think many people within Alabama were mortified to see Huff go. I think he was well-respected within that program, but I don't think he had the major impact that Brent Pry had at Penn State because Brent Pry's defenses have been able to essentially win Penn State some games with some lackluster offenses, almost dating back to Saquon Barkley. The experience recruiting the area, that's pretty much a draw, and I think that was the main attraction of Huff. Yes, maybe Huff is a more charismatic candidate. And and he's certainly, I mean, I I don't know if I've seen enough Brent Pry to truly make a judgment on where he is in that category. But we know that Huff could win a press conference. But I see these two as very similar candidates with Pry having more meaningful experience in the lead up at least to one season at Marshall for Charles Huff. 
This is something that Virginia Tech can build around. You look at the identity of this football program. Hard-nosed Appalachian. He seems to fit that. His brand of football seems to fit that. And ultimately, Virginia Tech was stuck between a rock and a hard place. I was listening to Packer and Durham this morning before the news broke, and Andrea Adelson, lead ACC reporter for ESPN, basically went as far as to say, yeah, this Virginia Tech head coaching search is not going well. They are losing candidates to other schools. See Billy Napier at Florida. They're getting declined by candidates. See Dave Clawson, perhaps others in there. So Whit Babcock had to go away from the predisposition that he's had in almost every head coaching hire he's made across all sports at Virginia Tech. And that is emphasizing the value of head coaching experience. I think that that was probably an extremely difficult decision for him to make. I think that that was a decision that he ultimately was probably forced to make, maybe because he didn't see the upside in a candidate like Jamie Chadwell. But I think that in order to get this job, even with the resume that he had, Brett Pry had to have sat in a room with Whit Babcock and laid out a vision for Virginia Tech football that aligned with the Whit, that aligned with the vision that Whit Babcock has laid forth himself. And I'm very curious to see that. I'm not naive enough to sit here on the day of the hire and crown it a victory or a failure because that's stupid. You know, these hires are such an imperfect science, guys. And the ones that seem like a knockout of the park, like Justin Fuente in 2015, can ultimately end up failing. In fact, most do. But there is a roadmap, in my opinion. You can see a scenario because of the boxes that Brett Pry checks off that he can succeed here. But at the end of the day, it's still not the big flashy hire that a lot of people expected. And I feel like, you know, a, a lot of the questions that we have, like Mike mentioned with the emphasis on the staff and how that could be make or break, these questions are not going to be answered today and they're not going to be answered on Thursday. This is going to be a story that we're going to follow over the course of the next two months in hiring the staff, in snooping around and trying to see the allocations of how much money is truly being spent now, in how things go early on in the recruiting trail. It should be a fun story to follow. And, you know, if nothing else, it's not the same tired story of is Justin Fuente the man for the job? That one was answered. Hey, Rick, Pry or Chadwell? Oh, Brent Pry. There it is. There yeah, it is. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I guess I didn't make my, my dissatis <clears throat> dissatisfaction with Jamie Chadwell clear enough. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was it. Um, yeah, I like, uh, and, and you know, going, going outside that top category, right? So for me, everyone knows that Dave Clawson was my one A. That was I was very clear about that. Um, I was also pretty clear that I thought Billy Napier was a pretty good candidate as well, and I would be happy with that hire. Um, but once you got outside that first category, I'm not really sure that there's any differentiation between the candidates it, it, it's almost just a matter of you know pick pick your guy that that just fits your program better and roll with it you know and your your chances of success are pretty pretty similar so for me going with brent pry over a charles huff or a jamie chadwell which 
I think Pry is a much better candidate than Chadwell or a Will Healy or um or Bill O'Brien question or a yeah a, a Bill O'Brien hire which which I was starting to come around to quite honestly um I think that I think hiring Bill O'Brien would have had a, a higher floor than than a Brent Pry program uh I do think that Brent Pry has a higher ceiling than Bill O'Brien as as head coach at Virginia Tech also I think Brent Pry is someone who might stick around a bit longer at Virginia Tech than Bill O'Brien would who let's be honest O'Brien would be jumping at the first opportunity he got in the NFL to get back there because ultimately that's where he wants to be. And I understand that. Um, so f- for me, it's a lot is going to be determined as, as to how Pry um, handles this recruiting class right here. If he's able to sell these kids on a vision and, and keep this class in, in the boat, then that's a tremendous start. Um, Obviously, everyone wants someone who's charismatic at the podium, but you really want someone who's charismatic with recruits. Um, ultimately, that's what really matters. And if he's able to keep some of these guys in the boat, then you know Gunnar Gibbons is someone who's in-state, Ramon Brown in-state, um, Cam Johnson in the area in Baltimore, Rashad Purnell. Um, these are all guys that are in that area that, Brent Pry has been recruiting for years at this point. If he's able to to prove his medal early on, then Tech will be in in a, in a really good spot going into the next cycle because he's shown that he can keep guys in the boat um, that didn't commit to him in the first place. So I think it's a a decent hire. Again, um, I, I'm not I'm not going to you know jump on the bandwagon and say that Tech's going places now, but. Like you said, Andrew, I see a scenario in which Virginia Tech becomes the program that everyone wants Virginia Tech to become under Brent Pry. I don't know how likely that is, but I, it's certainly possible. Yeah, the recruiting part's going to be interesting um, because a lot of the recruiting sites have said that retaining J.C. Price was going to be a key for a lot of the guys on the defensive side of the ball uh, in the recruiting classes. So, I mean, I I look at this and – you know, Rayshad Purnell is the one that stands out. Malachi Madison has already tweeted a defensive tackle recruit has already tweeted out that he's locked in. Um, I know Purnell, you know, it was reported by VT Scoop that Purnell was receiving interest from West Virginia. He went on a visit there a couple weekends back. So, you know, will Virginia Tech be able to retain some of these in-state defensive guys? That's what I'm interested in. And I think this likely, you know, bringing Pry in, I think probably helps Virginia Tech in terms of guys like Gunnar Givens and Ramon Brown, if only because those two guys are not only in state, but they were also recruited heavily by Penn State. So they know who Brent Pry is. And if they have a fine relationship with him, which I would assume that they would, considering Brown and Givens both had Penn State in their final, you know, four or five schools, uh, this might be something that they're willing to stay on board for. Um, and then in addition to that, I think just looking at Penn State's current recruiting class, now a lot of them, or some of them anyway, have have committed there because of Brent Pry, but probably more likely because of James Franklin. I'm interested to see if any of them reevaluate their options because of the relationships that they built with Brent Pry uh, during their recruiting process. And does him going to Virginia Tech change anything for them, especially if there were some guys who were considering you know, Virginia Tech uh, prior to committing to Penn State. The one guy that stands out to me is defensive back Cam Miller out of Florida. Um, he, he was a guy who 
was between Virginia Tech and Penn State in his final two, ultimately decided to go to Penn State to play for Brent Pry. You know, D- does his mind get changed now that Pry is the head coach at Blacksburg? Who's to say? So I, I think there's Penn State with- is fifth in the country right now. They're in- loaded. In their recruiting cycle, according to 247, number one in the Big Ten over Ohio State. Yeah, so they got a really good recruiting class. And, you know, I, I think the, the priority for Virginia Tech is just to, to keep the guys that, that you have that are committed. Because Virginia Tech does have a pretty good class right now. Um, if they're able to keep a lot of those guys in there, that would be great. And then even if you're able to flip a guy from Penn State, I, I don't think it's realistic to expect them to flip multiple guys or even maybe even one guy would be an accomplishment, but um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how he fills out the staff and whether or not that gains any traction. But I think the priority is going to be trying to keep some of the guys in class that Pry thinks will still be impactful at Virginia tech, keeping them committed. So it's interesting to see how the pendulum has swung, right? Because in 2015, when Justin Fuente was hired, seemingly the purpose was, bringing in a young coach, offensive-minded, to revolutionize Virginia Tech's offense and, you know, bring them into the future. As we all know that you know, at the end of the Beamer era, people were getting kind of tired of the way Virginia Tech's offense was operating. Here we are on the other side, and it seems like Brent Pry is almost an attempt to return to the hard-nosed, defensive, lunch-pail mentality of Virginia Tech of old. With that being said, offense is obviously going to play a huge role here, how much do you think needs to be allocated towards an offensive coordinator? Are there any names that you guys could circle? Because Brent Pry has a lot of experience offensively. Zilch. I uh, have no names to offer for offensive coordinator. Uh, no I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I can give you realistic options. It is incredibly important, though, that, that, that Brent Pry finds someone that can um, execute the vision that he has for Virginia Tech's offense. I don't know if he, you know, thinks that Virginia Tech's offense needs to be this um, air raid spread attack, or if he thinks it needs to be a run heavy attack, or if um, it's something in between. I don't know. Um, I'm I'm sure that we'll hear a bit more about that vision at the press conference on Thursday, uh, which of course I'll be working during the middle of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's the the offensive coordinator position will be incredibly important because the head coach is is going to be seen as a defensive minded guy. So your offensive coordinator automatically has more influence on that end of the, on that side of the ball um, than they would have under a Justin Fuente regime. Obviously, where you know Fuente comes in as an an offensive guy. Um, it, it better be a good hire. That's all I can say. Um, if it's someone who, you know, seems a bit underwhelming or if it's someone who's uh, being an offensive coordinator for the first time, that's a bit concerning. Uh, it, it, I think it needs to be someone who has play calling experience. It needs to be someone who has experience running an offense. It probably needs to be someone who has experience developing quarterbacks because th- that's not something that Brent Pry is um, familiar with. So those are those are some key traits that I think we need to see. Someone who's been a coordinator before, someone who has experience developing quarterbacks. Those are two uh, two big things. And also they need to have play calling experience. It needs to be a, a coordinator who's had a, a bit of autonomy on that side of the ball. Uh, whereas you know obviously some 
some head coaches call plays. We need a coordinator who's done it himself. Yeah, I agree with that too. Um, experience, I think, is really important. The one name that's been thrown around because they have a prior relationship that I don't think is realistic, um, and I guess we'll f- we'll find out for certain how much you know what Babcock is willing to spend uh, for Brent Pry's staff um, and assistant coaching pool. Josh Gaddis at Michigan, and no I don't think there's any chance that happens. No. And zero, they, they have. They have a they have a prior relationship, so um, you know they know each Pry and Gaddis know each other well. But I don't know what Gaddis's motivation would be other than being paid more at Virginia Tech than he's going to be paid at Michigan. And given how Michigan's performed offensively this year, I think Michigan would be more than willing to make sure that they're able to match whatever Virginia Tech is paying Gaddis um, in that scenario. So that's the only name I've heard, and I just don't think it's very realistic. I guess one thing I do find particularly encouraging, which also is why I was kind of against the Jamie Chadwell hire, is we saw with Justin Fuente's staff, namely Brad Cornelson, a coach from the group of five bringing along guys that had been with him the entire time. And we're not going to get that here with Pry. It's just not going to happen. He's got the experience at Penn State. He'll be able to leverage those connections, but... Luckily, I think we can safely assume that we're going to avoid a situation where you had a Brad Cornelson who had never even called plays exclusively at the group of five level with Memphis. Remember, Daryl Dickey, who is now the offensive coordinator of Texas A&M, was the one calling plays for Fuente at Memphis. And Cornelson, who wasn't truly qualified, was thrust into a super important role at a power five school. And we all know how that worked out. So at the end of the day, I hope he can leverage those connections. And I hope that because he wasn't the hottest name in the coaching market, that the money that they'll save that they otherwise would have paid a Billy Napier can be spent, you know, really upping that staff and getting some quality coordinators. I mean, Brett Pry was one of them. He was making north of a million dollars as the defensive coordinator at Penn State. We'll see if we can get an offensive coordinator somewhere near that mold. Yeah, I would agree. I just don't know. I mean, it's it's so early, and I don't know enough about the Brent Pry coaching tree at this point to really know who's even an option, um, like who he's coached with before and, you know, who would make sense as an offensive coordinator. I mean, there are a million play callers out there. It's about choosing a guy that has some experience and has had some success, more importantly, uh, that you could bring in. And, I mean, I, I think – this is going to be a really important hire and probably a more important hire even than the head coach, <laughs> because I think Brent Pry comes in and instantly helps recruiting. And I think he's going to be an asset on the defensive side of the football. And I'm interested to see who he brings in as a defensive coordinator as well. But the more important note is who he brings in on the offensive side. It could make or break the success of him in Blacksburg for sure. So really important hire um, at, at offensive coordinator that he needs to make. And without any head coaching experience, it's hard to even know like where he's even going to pick from. So uh, I'm sure he's already gotten to work on that. Uh, You know, this, yeah, the agreement was put in place today and made official, but you know, Pry's been working in the background. I mean, JC Price is already the associate head coach. So, you know, I'm sure he's already been, you know, getting to work on that and filling out his staff uh, way before today. So Hopefully we hear about it soon, but it's more important for him to, to get it right. Just a quick research, uh, a name you may end up hearing at some point. Tyler Bowen 
is the current tight ends coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, he served as the offensive recruiting coordinator and was co-offensive coordinator at Penn State in 2020. Um, he also uh, served as tight ends coach at one point at Penn State. So there's a potential option that you'll end up seeing. I mean, my um, my buddy Stephen Newman is way too into this shit, right? So um, he is probably going to have a list for me of guys that are going to end up being possible candidates. Um, but, you know, there are – that's just a name that you may end up hearing just because of its a, a past connection. But, you know, I, I would be actually be encouraged if Pry would go outside of his coaching tree – and try and find someone who is just a, a really good fit for, for this situation and just not someone that he's worked with in the past. In terms of the guys currently on staff, we mentioned J.C. Price being retained as the associate head coach, still working with the defensive line. I think that's a no-brainer, a home run. I mean, went over the fans quickly. It seems glaringly obvious based on what we saw at UVA that – maybe that would be a reason to keep some of the players in the boat. And ultimately, if you're going to bring in a whole lot of new faces, having that one hokey who's been there that knows the tradition in the room is a good thing. Having that all hokey all the time guy in a way, but it, it's also not like a Bud Foster, Charlie Wilde situation, which say what you will. And Justin Fuente agreed to it, but the perception of a power struggle and that it was half Beamer's program, half Fuente's program early on, there may have been some merit to that. So I, I think that's a very good hire. Who else do you think should be retained here? I, I know Ryan Smith is a name that's really popped off with a lot of people. Um, I'm not really married to Ryan Smith. Like, I, I don't think he's done a bad job. I, I think he's been fine. Um if they keep him, that's, I, I'm not like opposed to it. I just don't think that there's a glaring reason why he needs to stay in the program. Um, Pearson Prelo is like an assistant, assistant secondaries coach, obviously NFL experience, um, Virginia tech graduate and was pretty good at tech when he was playing. Um, I, I think, I don't think Pearson really wants to be a, a on the road recruiting guy. He enjoys, being able to stay at home with his family. And that's why he's been kind of the, just someone who's an assistant, assistant coach. And I think he works really well in that role in terms of the support staff. I think he'd be a great option to keep around Kaishan Jarrett, same thing. I think he should absolutely stick around on the support staff. Um, finding guys that have coaching experience and connections to the university to serve in lower levels of the regime, I think is a great strategy. And it's probably a strategy that Fuente could have embraced early on in his tenure at tech. He didn't really start to embrace that in towards the end. Um, so having, having some, some other connections to, to the school and to the culture in the lower levels of your coaching staff is certainly not a bad idea. And Prelo and Jarrett are two guys. I think that would be fantastic options for that. I, yeah. Pearson Prelo, I think is, is smart. Um, he, he's really smart. He's very nice. He's charismatic. Uh, he is married to the region. Um, pretty sure his son is still in high school at Radford. Um, he may have graduated now, but I'm not sure. 
So just like the, the, those guys are Hokies. Like Pearson Prelo is a Hokie. He is he is in cut in the same mold as J.C. Price. Kaishan Jarrett is really in the same boat. Like Kaishan had a really good rookie NFL season, and it was taken away from him because of injury. And um, he is he is absolutely married to the Washington football franchise and to Virginia Tech football. And I think if he's around either of those two organizations in any capacity, he's going to be a happy guy. Agree. And he's I, going to work his ass off for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think Prelo would be good to keep. Kaishan would be good to keep. And uh, Ryan Smith, because he's been a good recruiter for Virginia Tech and he's highly, re- highly regarded as an up and comer. I mean, I think you try to keep that guy on your staff if you can. So those would be, those are three good candidates. What are the odds that Justin Hamilton finds a spot on this staff? Low. I would, I would say. say I would. They're, they're not zero, but they're not higher than like 10, 15%. Low. I mean, because I don't think he stays for a demotion because I don't think any of us think he's going to be Brent Price defensive coordinator, right? I don't. I, I, I would be very shocked if that was the direction that he went in. Yeah, me too. So because of that, probably low, because I don't see Hamilton. I know it's his alma mater, but I don't see Hamilton taking a demotion to stay here. It's just really not how the business works. I just don't see it. All right. So I guess last thing I have for you guys before we uh, sign off here, I talked a lot about vision and how that probably played into Pry ultimately getting this job. When he goes on the podium for that opening press conference Thursday morning, what do you want to hear from him that would inspire confidence for you in this hire? I guess I just want him to be engaging and I want yeah. him to, I want him to sound fired up like that. None of that's really going to affect anything, but I think having someone who is a bit more charismatic um, would be a welcome breath of fresh air for the, for the fan base. I didn't really have an issue with Fuente's more reserved personality. I know some folks did, and it really rubbed them the wrong way because Frank was just such a really happy-go-lucky guy and was was willing to, you know, make jokes and and, and have a good time and uh, was a, a bit easier to get to know than Justin. Not that Justin was a bad guy at all because I've been pretty pretty steadfast in that point. But I think having someone who can be a bit more engaging – um, publicly w- w- would be a, a welcome site for some of the fan base. Um, ultimately, nothing that, that Brent Price says at the press conference on Thursday will really matter as to whether or not this, this whole vision is going to come true. It's going to depend on who he puts in positions of power. But um, I think just having someone who is a bit charismatic, someone who is, is fired up, um, someone who maybe can can tap into some of that same energy that JC Price showed in the post game after beating UVA. I don't obviously Brent Pride can't do that because he's not JC Price, but he may be able to tap into a little bit of that. Yeah, I agree. I mean just just be engaging, be excited. Um I have no doubt that Brent Pry will be engaged and excited. Just, j- just be fired up. Like, get, <laughs> try and like the the tech fan base right now is in a in a weird spot, right? Because every everyone's pleased that Justin is 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 no longer the head coach, but 
tech fans are still looking for that that reason to buy in and looking for that reason to to hope again. And Brent Pry needs to give it to him. Yeah, I agree. And from everything I've read, and I didn't know a ton about Brent Pry other than knowing that he was Penn State's defensive coordinator, I uh, didn't know a ton about him as a person, but it sounds like he's pretty engaging in a press conference, which is cool. So if that's the case, I mean, I think a lot of people will, will latch onto it, but ultimately it doesn't matter what he says um, in the presser tomorrow. I mean, I think one thing that'll be pretty important that we haven't talked about yet that I just want to touch on real quick before we wrap up, what are alumni relations going to be like? Because that was something that Justin Fuente really failed at. And I know it doesn't matter as much for on-field production, but the off-field stuff and marketing and branding the program, that's stuff that Justin Fuente failed at. And that's something that I think is going to be really important for Brent Pry. It was going to be important for whoever uh, with Babcock hired. So having him engage the alumni base, and if he reaches out directly to the alums in this press conference, I think that's going to that's gonna strike the right tone from the outset, something that Justin Fuente did not do. That was a colossal, colossal error on his part uh, when, when he was the Virginia Tech head coach, was not engaging the Virginia Tech football alumni. And I think if Pry does that from the outset, that's going to uh, that that's going to be a good thing. I think long term for the program. So that's something I would like to see specifically. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we've seen with Mike Young, just having the right demeanor and acting in an engaging way that the Virginia Tech fan base, who are spoiled because of Frank Beamer, appreciates and engaging with the alumni of the program, getting those things on your side can, can lengthen your leash, if you will. People Absolutely. won't turn on you as quickly. And that matters because perception is reality. Let's start off and keep up a good perception of his vision and of this new staff and the direction that he looks to take this football program. All right, I agree. Well, we'll have plenty more to talk about. More news will come out as he builds a staff, as he tries to retain the recruits in this class. And of course, you know, throughout the offseason, as we see what the Brent Pry era of Virginia Tech football shapes out to look like. You know, we are in the infancy of this. The news is less than six hours old. I think that up until really late last night, the possibility of this seemed remote, if not non-existent. But here we are, Brent Pry, head football coach, Virginia Tech. Any last words, boys, before we log off? Uh, one more thing about this, and I'll keep it really brief. Uh, watch to see if any or how many players hit the portal after, after Thursday. Uh, Pry is going to be meeting with the team, obviously, within the next 48 hours. See if there are maybe fewer guys that hit the portal than we may have thought originally. That that would be another encouraging sign to see if guys are buying in on this current on this current roster. Also, rate, review, subscribe. Yeah, <laughs> all that. Agree, <laughs> and all that. All right, folks. Well, that's it. The question is answered. Brett Pry, head coach, Virginia Tech press conference on Thursday. More news coming as we learn what bowl game Virginia Tech's playing in as Brett Pry begins to build his staff. Plenty more to cover. Plus, lots of interesting basketball on the immediate horizon. Maryland this week, St. Bonaventure and Dayton in the middle of the month before Duke and the Heels at the end. No shortage of things to talk about, which is good for your two times per week Virginia Tech Athletics podcast. We'll talk to you next time. As always, go Hokies. <laughs>